Welcome to episode 418 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. No, 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 no. He is not wearing his branded scary hat. He is wearing a beanie in April. It's Russell John, the fisherman. What's up? How are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) How are you today? I'm, I'm doing fine, sir. Good to hear. Also joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, is the man who will hence be known from this day as the Nacho Man, Randy Stat. What's up? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You really let that linger. <laughs> Damn, that was mean, dude. I didn't know if there was more coming after Nacho Man, Randy Stat. What do you think about your new nickname, dude? Is it sick? That's all right. I don't know. I'm not really a, a big nacho orderer at a uh, Mexican food place because <laughs> you already got man. the chips beforehand, you know? So it's like, why get more chips? I got the free I chips for salsa. <laughs> I think you're limiting yourself with your nacho possibilities. That's what I'm thinking right now. I just, you know, the, the chips and salsa is the appetizer. Then I want a different different kind of bite for the meal, you know? Again. Again, you're you're putting yourself in a narrow corner. You're only limiting the nacho experience to a Mexican themed restaurant. That is not the case sure. at all, my friend. You it's can, not a good movie snack though nervous. either, because it's uh it's too too loud for a movie snack. You're doing it wrong if it's too loud. It's a uh, your chip should be soggy. Yeah. It should be covered in that <laughs> nacho cheese that is great, but you know it's ripping you apart inside. Also, if you're at a taqueria, dude. Usually they pile on the toppings and it's really hard to navigate. That's why you use the little paper bag of chips to whittle that down to make it manageable. Come Randy, act like you've eaten before. Variety is the uh, spice of life, my guy. <laughs> my God. Oh, did Randy just turn heel on this show, uh, yeah. dude? Nacho Guess man. So. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. We got Randy's heel turn. All right, and Oksana Valerian Asachi is here, but now I have to face a completely different direction. As we, we times are tough, dude. We rearrange the innards in this room. Oksana, how do you feel about that? Sitting at the head of the table now, where you oh. belong. <laughs> I think it's the end of the table, and I can't see you anyway because you have sunglasses on. So. <laughs> Again, I just, I, you know, I think it's wide open spaces, but there's nothing but shade. Mm-hmm. Anytime I go to that side of the room, which is the complete opposite side. So now your shade is, is surrounded the entire room. You're welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, did you have a good week? What was going on? What happened this week? Mm, not a lot. You know, honestly, I thought not a lot happened. And then I realized they got four movies to talk about today. So, I know I'm looking at the document. Yeah. Yeah, you're a little behind. You only got two. Last week you had eight. Friend, you friend, <laughs> let me tell you something. I watched a lot of things. Oh, shit. But I'm I'm bringing two things to the table. You got to bring back uh, an old segment. Oh, no. Do I, do I need the soundboard? Well, look at the first movie that I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, that's right. There you go. All right. By the way, we'll talk about when we get there, but. Boy, that was a rough start. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm here for it. I had a weird experience with that movie we're keeping secret. So Well, what we also know is that I think you and I share that experience. 
Okay. I don't know. If it involved the Emerald <laughs> Mistress. I get it, but I yeah, I think we had different outcomes. Though. Randy, that's slang for marijuana. Okay, good to know. All right. Uh, yeah, Russ, what's uh, up top? What are we talking about? Nothing. I'm ready to just move into it. Are, Let's what? keep it slim. Is this it, man? Yeah, I know. I, I feel bad. It took 418 of these monkeys to get here. It took 40 minutes of milkshake talk that I brought on the show. <laughs> well, you bring to it to ready. the yard first. I know. And I'm I'm making up for it. So what? Today is Sunday the 16th. And um, what is it? April? Oh, my God. Correct. Uh-huh. You're doing great. <laughs> I'm trying. And we just missed the stars aligning. They're not going to perfectly work out. But we almost had our 420th episode land on 420. Man, God, I have never got gotten so excited and <laughs> lost it so quickly. So episode 419 will be out on 420. Yeah. How, cl- dude, we planned it eight years ago. Can we just, can we just, can we just lie? Yeah. <laughs> well, nobody caught it, but Oksana, mm-hmm. where last week, I guess we had a double number episode go up. <laughs> it was my fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so technically it is 420. Uh, That's how I see it. Randy, you sign (laughs) off on that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we're on episode like 424. If you count all those, like not an episode post or whatever. We should have, we should have asked our guest if he likes to partake in that. Uh, Yeah, I know. And then we could have made it a whole thing. Aren't you glad you didn't bury him? Because remember when, when we didn't have him on the show, on this show, you talked about it. Should we talk shit? And it's like, no, we have no idea. But I think your insecurity was showing. Well, I also thought- think that you you just revealed. <laughs> we could have just kept that in. I know, but we couldn't do that. <laughs> we always have to air our dirty laundry on this show. Well, we kind of talked about that. All right. First of all, we need to talk about a couple things. Number one, I'm out of the crypto game already. Really? I'm out. <laughs> Did you come out with the profit? Uh, I pulled out all... No, I kept I kept the profit still in there. Wait, okay, but I pulled all my other money out. Which Wait, was I'm confused. A so lot. you can you pulled out your investment. I I put in X amount of dollars, which was more than I was comfortable with. But I got caught up in the heat of the moment, baby. You understand? I was at the table. I was throwing the dice. Right, you got very high. It was a Friday no, night. No, no, and then you're like, "Fuck! I'm ten grand in." I'm talking. I was, it was, I'm talking 11.30. I'm on Coinbase, baby. God. PM. <laughs> I'm out there. I'm hustling. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking Clark 3.0, day trader. Here we are. You see your new life that right That lasted yeah. about 27 hours. You wanted to move into that Zoomer hotel where all the rich people were yeah. living. Yeah. Terrible. You listen to too much Tim Dillon. <laughs> Thursday, Thursday was Wolf of Wall Street. Friday, I'm in love with something else. Right, but you still have, you've made money. I made like a hundred and fifty dollars. Here we go. Let me let me go behind the curtain a little bit. I did tease that I had a lot of shit going on in my life. I'll, you know, why not just air it now? I got laid off the minute before the fucking film fest started, and my parents got evicted. Now, when they got evicted, um, we also needed to pay a lot of money to get them out of this uh, mystery debt that appeared, and I cashed in my crypto, all of it. Which at one point I was up forty thousand dollars, and here's I'm this type of idiot. I was like, dude, 
if I pull this out now, I could give Robbie like 10 for his movie. Just for no, nothing attached. Yeah. This is the kind of dreams I had. I'm like, oh, dude, I could just like fund. Like, whoa, dude, what would Ricky Umberger do with like five grand out of this? I'm, I, I have a hole in all my pants. It's located at the bottom of my pockets. And this is where all the money falls. And uh, you know what? I got bit by the greed demon. And I'm like, well, I got 40K right now. And, you know, I'll fuck it. We're already behind the curtain. There was this coin. It was a shit coin called Saitama. They're still they're still muddying around. L- L2 they coins, have, please. They, okay. So, Thank you so they much. did update their coin. I, I'm not in it like that anymore. But they had a launch party for their website because everybody in crypto is like, it's not just a coin. We're going to have a website and a game and we're going to have this trading thing. And there's a community and you can you could just go here. You don't need the rest of the Internet. And everybody was like, okay, I mean, we're going to the moon clearly with this one. So whatever you say. So they went to Vegas. They had a launch party. They live streamed it. And they're like, oh, but the website's not coming up. So then people were like, well, then what are you partying for? Why are you there? The thing you're there for didn't happen. Why are you there? And they kept giving answers like, well, it's going to happen. And they're like, yeah, but you're there partying. Why? Sounds like the third season of Silicon Valley. Well, literally, like any live stream event, you got multiple screens going. And on my phone, I watched the little, uh, the, somebody took a dive off the diving board and it was the monetary value of this shit coin. And I kept thinking, these fucking fools, it's going to turn around tomorrow and it's going to 10x and I'm going to have $400,000. And these losers who just left, honestly, I should buy the dip. And this is what happened. Um, long story short, <laughs> I cashed that in to help pay my parents and, uh, oh my God, it was bad. It, yeah. Um, just to give a number, it was South of uh five grand that I ended up getting out of that. Yeah. So, you know, I learned now if I ever have my, my toe in a little bit of profit, I'm just, I'm shy now. If I get a nibble, I'm gone. Like I hindsight that's the thing yeah. is that i i i my intention was to tip my d- toe into the water i was doing uh i was going deep sea fishing baby yeah very quickly and so i had to had to pull back good job had to pull back although you i kept thinking when you told me you're like dude i got some bitcoin and again, by some Bitcoin, I mean 0. 0.0001 yeah, yeah, yeah. of a Bitcoin. Well, th- that was the thing. I, I wanted to keep that steady and just kind of keep that growing. Because uh, it's, it's you know, it's the most stable. Yeah. So, yeah, that was just going to be the base. And then I started dipping around. I had a, I had a lead on I the L2. I kept and, telling uh, you, shitcoin, man. You know, it was just uh, it was riding that wave, baby. Yeah, and the whole time I kept getting notifications on my phone, Bitcoin's up, Ethereum's up. And when I cashed out of all that, it was very down. So down that uh, California didn't even want any tax money out of it. So I was like, oh, that motherfucker. I kept thinking, how many times did I tell you, Oxon? I'm like, God, do you see Bitcoin's up? And she would just glare Hell at yeah. me. Hell <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And also, how fucking talking about crypto now just feels like you're an addict. Like, let it go, dude. And Randy, of course, congratulations. You got out on your Bitcoin prior to all this bullshit and you turned it into a home. Yeah. So clearly we're doing something wrong. You still have some. Thanks, dude. (laughs) A little bit. And it's all profit with Randy because he got drunk one night at a bar and put like $5 in and now he's a millionaire. 
it was uh it was March of 2020, whatever day lockdown started in California. Uh yeah, I, I did get drunk and then I opened uh, the Robinhood app and then put a a little bit in, but uh, it's gr- it's grown quite a bit since then. That was probably I don't know, the lowest it's been. I didn't I wasn't one of these people that got in like 10 years ago at like you know, $5 or anything. Yeah. Just to uh clear up my uh finances on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. And, you know, my favorite story about Bitcoin treasure going out the door was a dude who bought, like, pizza with it. Yeah. Have you ever heard that story? No. He had a bunch, and he was like, what am I doing with this? So he found a place that would take Bitcoin. Honestly, out here in San Francisco, there was a deli, and he used to have it on the register. He was like, I take Bitcoin. At the Tanferan Mall, which is uh, a mere 10-minute drive from this very location, you can get, still go in that ghost dead mall yeah they still have kiosks uh, bitcoin kiosks well if you're gonna play around in crypto just do it in bitcoin and ethereum i'm even kind of like iffy on now those have been there for a decade <clears throat> yeah those kiosks oh, man i should have went there i probably would have been jumped immediately <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know the tan friend dead mall gangs that are oh. hanging out by the bitcoin kiosk it's rough out there, there you go there. there's our movie if we need to make Man. a movie, let's make it about a hard, they're down on their luck. So they stake, they stake out a Bitcoin kiosk waiting for somebody coming in. When the only vendors left in the mall are jewelry stores and <laughs> tennis shoes, you got, it's time to move on. I thought you were going to make a Vim joke there. Dude, that's it. V- vendors? <laughs> yeah, Vim vendors. Oh. <laughs> You don't know highbrow art. Me and Randy need to hang out more. I know, dude. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I've never been to Paris, Texas, and I never yeah. will. Watch Wings of Desire. Columbo's in it. Oh, I love a Columbo. And Nick uh, Cave is in it. I almost said Nick Cage. <laughs> Nicky C's in there. Nick Cave's in it. Yeah. What was he like? Twelve. Uh, no. There, there's like a, a performance scene where uh, Nick Cave is playing, and uh, I don't know. He's probably in it for like a minute, something it- like that. Is he in the birthday party? That's a good question, actually. I'm not sure when, <laughs> like, the time period is. I like the birthday party. Now, remember, all of the American culture that makes an appearance in that movie is actually a satire about how bad our taste is. Yeah, we. So him being a part of that movie is actually an insult. I get it. Yeah, it's, yeah. But Yay, he, art. He redeemed himself by becoming the scream icon. <laughs> because the red right hand made, what, it played twice in Scream 5? Dude, I love it. That song makes me think of Scream now when I hear it, so. Uh, I was in my car. Someone else was in my car. That song well, came what on. Ha- did they make it out? <laughs> Were they in the trunk? <laughs> what is this? They, I had, they have speakers in the okay. trunk. So they full, full, full uh, Dolby. They knocked full on the hood? Dolby. They were enveloped in the embryo of Dolby. They're like, dude, Scream. Uh, yeah. They had, Red Right Hand was playing his song, Scream. <laughs> That's it, man. It really does. It's part of the culture, dude. Also, I dude, I uh, I do want to see Scream Six, but I think it's like it's slowly waning out of the showtimes. It is, and I'm bummed because I want to go again. And um, I was just talking, I can't remember to who, but every now and then I think of articles I would like to write about like film, and one of them that would make you roll your eyes into the back of your head would be how Scream 6 better articulated what hit points mean in film culture than the D&D movie. 
If you'd like to hear more, feel free oh, to contact <laughs> That is not a tease. <laughs> no, but honestly, when you get stabbed 56 times and you come back, yeah. yeah, that's how you illustrate hit points. Do you know what a hit point is? No. Okay. In video games, you know, if you have like a life bar, they usually call it HP. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. In D&D, when you have a character, you have HP and it goes up every time you level. But as a human, yeah. you know, having a life experience doesn't make you take a knife better. But, you know, that's something that you could translate into a movie. And with Dungeons and Dragons, you could have heroes being brutalized all the time and then being healed. And it would give a different kind of uh, choreography than like Marvel movies. Interesting. Yeah. But you would also have an NC-17 franchise and probably half the money you would have made. So they're never going to do it. But I can hope. I earned those HP points in GTA 5, baby. Do you? You have hit yeah. points in oh, that? Oh. Dog, all I do is hit. Now, let me be clear. If you just have a red bar that goes down, that's not hit points. I, I you need see a number value. It, it, it says HP and it goes... You need a number value. It's a number value. So if it's like 108 slash 108 and then you take a bullet and it goes down to 58 slash 108, All right, that's me, a hit point. Let me explain something to you. So you have levels in GTA. <laughs> uh, Randy, play a stinger in post. Uh, Randy, you've been sneaking in some post stuff on the episodes and I do I sign have, off yeah. on it. I don't I like surprises. A, I put a Jonathan Davis acapella uh, on the last oh episode. God. He did. <laughs> He's he's going. We're full. We are fully immersed in Morning <laughs> oh Zoo. God. That is what we are, and I'm okay with it. And I lost my train of thought. Okay. What I even was talking about. It's okay. We don't need to talk about hit points. Also, I, I remember. Oh yeah, you have a score bar. All right. Oh, so damn it. <laughs> I my level's like 52. That's decent. All right. I've put in. That's that's a that's more hours than I would care to imagine to how yeah. it got me to, to level 52. I started racing a little bit in GTA. Then you start seeing all these monsters come out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw someone with an 800 level. And I was like, how <laughs> is that even a thing? Then an 8,000 came up. Oh, it's cool. There's no cap. These people, they're gods. Yeah. It's like they don't even exist. They're just, <laughs> they just vanish. Mm-hmm. They have special powers. They cheat. I hate them. But they earned that. But that doesn't mean that I have to like them. Yeah. The problem is, and they're this, scummed, is, this is coming from somebody who played a lot of MMORPGs in my life. God bless you. Uh, that's a mass mul- massive multiplayer online RPG role-playing game. The thing is you learn, it's all about the time you put into it. So there's really no like skill backing it. Like with the racing there is, but... You know, it's kind of that get good culture, which I'm honestly, I think you deserve more props than an MMORPG. But I I don't know if I told you when I was working at Ramen Hero, which I think may be gone now during the lockdown. Oh, I'm um, so sorry to hear that. Their business model was that they were delivery ramen, but it was gourmet. So the dude who owned it was a Japanese chef who had come out and kind of it was like he was really from Milwaukee. No, he was very, he was so polite. Then he had his like lackey under him who pretended to be polite, but he, <laughs> they had a bunch of idiots working there. There are three people. I was one of them. Um, and a bunch of idiots. Yeah. And a bunch of one of three. Them, well, one of them looked like the kind of guy who would walk around with the skateboard and like a joint over in, you know, behind his ear. And, it, and it's Randy? like, how did you get here? That dude 
told me um, the hobby that he liked to partake in was not skating. Uh-uh. It was building racing courses for Grand Theft Auto. And he was one of those dudes that had been playing it since launch. Oh, And he man. would just talk. He's like, yeah, man, you know, there's a lot of skill in the design of making a loop-de-loop in this game. Mm. And I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. He's like, oh, you've never done sky racing? That's where there's no floor. And you just. I don't do that shit. Yeah. He was one of those dudes. And he yeah. took it. He's like, I have YouTube videos. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I meant to check. Honestly, I'm kind of interested. I may now, have but- seen him, to be honest. I should probably. I, he was a weirdo. Yeah. Well, oh. I know. <laughs> so the other guys doing the Sky GTA videos are outstanding citizens. Yeah, I don't know. If you were kind of not a character doing that, then you're a serial killer. Well, so. either that or you're British. Yeah. The British can get away with it. Yeah, it's really honestly. weird. Because um, I've seen a lot of stupid video game stuff that's British, and it seems like, okay, you make this seem normal. Because mm-hmm. you talk about, you know, putting it in the boot of your car um a lot of the early content creators that surrounded gothic king cobra were british like bite-sized cobra and somehow even though they're kind of mining content out of a locale yeah i know it's a lot of weird words there but um they don't seem like i don't know parasitic in any way yeah and then you get an american dude who does it and you're like you're a piece of shit and i hate you yeah logan paul well, I think Boglum Chronicles is like that. I know if you if you follow it, uh, yeah. But Bite Size Cobra, I'm like, he's respectable. Yeah. What he does is documentary. That's right. The Brits, we we like the ratio of Brits we love to Brits we hate. It's <laughs> not even close. <laughs> the Brits we love, an infinite number. The Brits we hate, we can probably name is, them right now. Is this a new segment you're doing? James Corden. <laughs> the Brits we love, the Brits we hate. Uh, Randy, that's another one. Oh, I'd love to hear what Randy played for that one. <laughs> James Corden. Uh-huh. Uh, who else we got? I. What about every reality TV show has to have the mean British judge? Pierce Morgan. Okay. Pierce Morgan, we don't like. Cowell, are we in or out on Cowell? Are we bullish or bearish on the Cowell? Oh, my God. I hate this conversation. <laughs> are we <laughs> to the moon rocks. with Cowell? <laughs> I think he's authentically... Like who he portrays, so I'm in. Well, he's starting to look more like a marionette. He's got moobs in a weird way. He's got moobs, and he's in. He put the moob juice in his face. Well, he's wearing those like tight Steve Jobs turtlenecks too, and it really accentuates. Them. He looks like a Funko Pop now. <laughs> that's a that's a really harmful insult. Dude, look at his look at his face. Google God Simon damn. Cowell today. He looks like a Funko. All right, let's try this again. Let's try and launch this thing again while we're talking about YouTube. Terrell appeared on the uh, podcast Films at Home. Go check that out. Um, another Bluetube guy, he reached out to Terrell because he does unboxing videos too. And he was like, my God, man. Like, again, Films at Home, you may not have heard him of him before, or you might have. He's got like 100,000 subscribers. And um, in the community, he's somebody. And he tapped into Terrell because he needed some of that energy and was like, dude. I do unboxing videos, but God, I am boring. And, you know, it was only uh, solidified in his mind after watching Terrell do it. So if you're not watching his videos do that, correct your life and then check out the films at home. It was a good conversation. And uh, he talks about how me and him met, which is always a, a fun story of interviewing at a job. Oh, boy. I know. So maybe you can start a great friendship uh, at a weird interview in a small office room. 
at a frame company. Was it just like the scene in Step Brothers? Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Tuxedos? Um, no. And we didn't have weird names. But honestly, I wasn't even sure I got the job. <laughs> it was just, I was like, I had chemistry with him, but I didn't know if he was going to hire me. Anyway, it's what? April 16th. We'll try this again. It's a Sunday, 2023. And uh, stall while I hook up the soundboard. All right. Well, let's just get let's just get going and we'll send it over to Atlanta, Georgia with Randy Michael Stat, who re- immediately rejected the Nacho Man. I don't know, Randy. <laughs> Let's sit on it, think on it for a little while. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, we'll do. You know, I, I think um, I'm not saying you could use a rebranding. But uh, I'm just saying, you know, maybe a character. You clearly turned heel today, so I think I think it's time for a new character to be born. So the Nacho Man, Randy Stat, that's got a nice ring to it. All right, we'll think about it. It seems a little uh, derivative, but uh, yeah, we'll think about it. Randy, derivative—that's our brand, dude. Derivative and cringe and laziness. <laughs> Welcome to and, the overworld. and puns. Oh, that's another tease for Thursday. Randy, are you going to start looking into competitive uh, punning or whatever it's called? Not really, no. I'm not much of a uh, competitor when it comes to anything. <laughs> I love That was good. Russell was nearly on the floor, <laughs> and your commitment to that, I appreciate your commitment to the laugh on the microphone for that. I'm the only one. Oksana I know. and Randy both turn away from the mic. You turn my mic off 90% of the time. Well, that's because you're an out-of-control bitch. And by the way, I laugh, for, <laughs> I laugh for everybody in this room, too. So I'm just saying. You laugh We're and all yell. saying. You know, it's either it's love or hate out of Clark Little, so. Which is the same coin, baby. <laughs> so, Randy, how was Atlanta this week? Pretty good. Same old. I uh, went to a show on Friday night uh, with my buddy Christian and uh, Hannah. Uh, that was very fun. I saw the band Shoo Shoo, which I had seen their oh, records. God bless you. Uh, forever. The, it, it's a XIU XIU. And, uh, we all know, dude. Around, We're fucking cool. <laughs> they've been around forever and I never listened to them. Uh, but I started to check out their newest uh, record after uh, Christian recommended it. And uh, it's pretty good. And they were great live. It's a very cool kind of like experimental i think they're described as like an experimental pop band and there's some uh songs they they span a lot of genre i would say genre there's some songs that are a little like upbeat sort of like poppier songs but then there's a lot of like very dark like super uh sort of experimental stuff but uh yeah it was it was really fun to see live hey randy real quick would you would you try experimental pop rocks uh (laughs) yeah sure do they like not pop or something that's one way to go. Otherwise, uh, another way would say they pop maybe too much. Okay, yeah. Cause internal damage. Possible <laughs> external. I don't know. I'm out then. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was on a Friday night. And then last night on Saturday, I went to the good old Plaza Theater here in Atlanta. Uh, they had a... So they've, they've been showing, uh, I think, since Friday... Uh, How to Blow Up a Pipeline, uh, the new movie cool. from yeah. Daniel Gold, Goldhaber, Goldhaber uh, who directed Cam. 
Uh, but the screening I went to uh, was sort of like a special event Wait screening. Wait a minute. Hold on. It's from the director at Cam? I know. I it was is, waiting yeah. for that uh, cuter drop. So here's the thing. I had a, um, we hung out with Jake uh, Isgard, the, the program director over here at the Alamo. And um, uh, we were hanging out with Madeline too. We were at um, Trader Sam's scoping it out for Tight. the after party at Uff. And they were both pitching me this movie. Really? And I'm like, yeah, it sounds cool. They're like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, like shitty teens kind of um, wanting more out of life and create, creating an act of domestic terrorism. And they don't really yeah. know what they're doing. And all this shit sounds great. All you had to say was it was from the director of Cam, which I think is a horribly underappreciated movie that gave yeah. a, a applicable life lesson to modern age at a time when people needed it, where it says, don't put your whole fucking personality out there on the Internet. Because people will copy it, and then you have nothing. I yeah. get, I'm sorry, Randy, but when I heard that, I was no, I legitimately good. shocked. Yeah, I, I, I'd seen trailers for this movie for, I don't know, a while now. And uh, it took me about up until a week ago uh, when I saw that the director was going to be here uh, for the screening that I went to uh, to find out that he was actually the director of Cam. Um, but yeah, essentially, Neon, uh, before Walled the theater, they booked the whole theater uh, for this screening. And um, it was presented by Southwood Cinema, I think. Uh, there's some group out here. Oh, Southwood? Um, they mean dick. Exactly. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a benefit for sort of, uh, you know, like the movie is a very sort of eco-thriller uh, type of thing. So the... Eco-thriller. That's a Zoomer genre if I e ever heard yeah. one. <laughs> so all the profits from the tickets for this screening uh, in particular went to like local uh, activism sort of things in Atlanta, which I thought was pretty cool. They're like, um, this money goes directly to Antifa to blow up a pipeline. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some good yeah, the, old boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the movie is kind of like a, uh, there's like eight characters um, who essentially all find each other and all sort of uh, conspire to uh, blow up a pipeline like the, like the movie uh, title says. But um, the, uh, it kind of starts off with them like sort of all together, sort of like uh, talking about the plan and then, um, you know, you start to see sort of them, uh, you know, go out to the sites and they're kind of like talking about uh, how, you know, this plan is very, they're kind of like, uh, you know, they have sort of like things that they're like trying not to do, obviously. Like they're like, we're not murderers. We're not trying to like hurt anybody. Um, this is like literally just about the pipeline and sort of like causing a, uh, you know, some damage to the the area, but they also don't want to... Um, really like lose too much of the oil. Uh, so they kind of figure out this like very, uh, they essentially like have a plan to like essentially like turn off the oil, like uh, going through the pipeline at like one po point. And then their other point that they're going to blow up is like a, uh, there's a sort of like incline on both sides of it. So like, okay, we could hit this spot and like, you know, we're not going to lose too much oil or anything. So they're very like, uh, you know, they have a, a pretty solid idea of what they're going to do and like how they're going to do it. Um, so you're kind of seeing that. And then uh, I don't know how long it takes for the first one, but essentially you're seeing flashbacks um, to each of the characters. I think there's like, yeah, I think so there's like eight uh, main characters. Um, so you kind of see sort of like their origin story for like why they're doing this or like why they're sort of like politically active. Um, and those are pretty like, interesting stories uh, and you definitely get a sense as to why they're like wanting to do this 
Um, the whole cast is really good. Um, Sasha Lane, who was in American Honey, uh, she's in this. She's really solid. Um, Lucas Gage was really good. And Forrest Goodluck uh, might be one of my favorites. Uh, he plays a the character that essentially knows how to make the bombs. Um, you know, just from scratch, just from random home materials or stuff that you could buy at a store. Um, yeah, and he's he's just like a very like nihilistic character. If you've seen the trailer, he's the one that's essentially like, someone's like, what if we blow ourselves up? He's like, I don't really care. Um, and he, he's just, his character was really good. And um, Interesting how you would relate to his character. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, the, the cast is great. The, the movie, you know, you don't really... There's no uh, ambiguity or like second guessing as to like what side this movie is on. It's very pro, you know, like the title says, how to blow up a pipeline. Um, but I, it was very engaging and like the movie went by really quick. Uh, I was saying I was pretty like wrapped up in it while watching it, but I don't know if you want, there's like maybe one person in the movie who's kind of like sort of a voice of dissent that's kind of like saying like, you know, if we do this, it's going to cause uh, gas prices to like go up. And like, you know, the people that can afford to pay uh, gas prices are just like, you know, middle class or upper middle class or, uh, yeah. you know, people with a lot of money. And it's like the people we're going to fuck over is the people that can't pay for gas. And it's going to like make their situations worse and worse. I kind of wish there was a little more of that in the movie. Um, because I don't know, it's, makes it a little more interesting to kind of have that nuance. And I think it makes the stakes of what they're trying to do actually like more complicated and more like complex. I think it would have actually added to it uh, to me, but I don't know. It seemed like they were trying to sort of, you know, just make this movie, which is based off of a book, I should say. Um, I think it came out in 2021 by the same title. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed watching it. It went by really quick and uh, there was a, like I said, the director was in town for it. So we did a talk with um, some local, uh, there was like a local um, reporter uh, who writes for some magazines and some online publications and stuff and a, uh, a legal person. And they were kind of talking about um, sort of political activism and sort of like this sort of like act of uh, eco-terrorism, which is uh, they get called in the movie by, you know, sort of, people that aren't in their group. Um, so they're talking about um, this movement in Atlanta uh, to stop what is called Cop City, which is essentially like this big um, cop training ground that's going to cost like $9 million and it's supposed to like get rid of a bunch of forest uh, out here. So it's kind of like, you know, obviously it's like an anti-cop thing, but it's also like a defend the forest type of thing mm -hmm. uh, that has been going on here for a while. So it's kind of interesting to see because, I, you know, Daniel Goldhaber, I don't believe is, you know, from the area. I don't know where he is from, but it was kind of cool to see him like, you know, getting behind it and um, sort of like booking this screening, uh, you know, with Neon and kind of coming out and talking about the movie and kind of talking about sort of like local politics as well. So we well, built interesting. City. <laughs> <laughs> um, you didn't tell us that uh, Napoleon Dynamite dude, I was thinking is this. Daniel Goldhaber. <laughs> Look at his IMDb <laughs> picture, dude. I, I, yeah, I saw him. I saw him in person. I, I kind of get that. Did he have tots in his pocket? He didn't. I no. got one tot in my <laughs> pocket. Again, Cop City. If you want to see some gnarly um, footage, go look up the security cam footage of the construction site that they lit on fire. The activist, and then they got into like a 
we're going to launch rocks at the police like video. It's all security camera footage. I mean, dude, it's pretty gnarly. It's kind of crazy. But yeah, that's definitely Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) That's so clear. How tall is he, Randy? I don't know. He was sitting down in a chair, so I don't know. Probably a solid 5'10". Oh. Uninteresting. All right. He towers over me. I was hoping anywhere between... Six eight and six eleven. Um, Randy, I'm I am a little bummed to hear that there wasn't more nuance in this movie. Yeah. I I love a radical child. <laughs> it was actually the name of this podcast originally. It, um, <laughs> it didn't test well. <laughs> it didn't take well. <laughs> but you know, I I love it because part of being young is you know you realize you're not thinking everything through, and it it does really seem like there's a good point to like turn that into a conversation while still having like a fun kind of movie. But while you were saying it, I kept thinking of our fucking, our other favorite film that we watched, uh, Nocturama about children. Yeah. yeah, Doing domestic terrorism and then hiding in a mall. That's right. Yeah. Kind of like the irony of like, you know, take the system down and then hang out in a mall, which is completely a construct of like, you know, Western culture, like capitalism. Like I, like that movie, it almost shot itself in the foot by having a huge amount of nuance because <laughs> it's like half sure. action movie, half like yeah. slow cinema ex- existential horror where I, I don't know what, how does, um, how does, uh, what the hell is this called? How to blow up a pipe. I always think that's not the name of the movie, how <laughs> to blow up a pipeline. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Um, does this, like, how does it feel pace-wise? Because you mentioned American Honey, and that's kind of the vibe I get looking at. No, it. definitely not. It definitely, like, feels like a heist movie. Oh, okay. Um, so the director, there's an article, I think, where he cites sort of, like, influences for this movie. He cites some pretty big, uh, you know, very, like, up there uh, movies. So he cites Ocean's Eleven, for one, um, mm-hmm. Battle of Algiers, and I think there was Damn. a Fassbender film. Um, but yeah, it definitely feels like a heist movie. It definitely feels like, you know, a little, um, you're going sort of back and forth in the timeline with the flashbacks and stuff. So there's a little, oh, Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs was one too. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, it's very, very, very fast paced. Uh, I would say like by the time it ended, I was like, oh wow, I didn't feel like we had reached an ending yet besides, you know, sort of what happens in the movie. Um, yeah, it went by quick. Um, so it, it definitely is like a pretty tense thriller um some of the flashbacks happen like right at a very sort of like cliffhangery sort of moment so there's something that like happens in the movie and then it like goes right into a flashback and so it kind of like keeps you on like the edge of your seat a little bit um and i would say that flashbacks are relatively like economical and like short um and it's pretty like to the point where it just sort of like gives you like the reason why they're there um so I think it could have like lost a little bit of that tension if like, you know, the flashbacks were too long or kind of like going into stuff that's like not really related uh, to the movie as much. So I thought that was really good. But yeah, overall, the craft is really good. And like the tone and the pacing like worked really well. All right. And what's the runtime? Uh, I think it's under two. It's okay. uh, I mean, uh, we should check 104 out. minutes. Wait, that's two. Hour 43. Hour 43. Okay. Quick math over there. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I couldn't do it. How many stars, Randy? 
I think give it a three and a half. Like I said, I like a, I like a messier movie, a uh, movie with a little more ambiguity and maybe a little more stuff to chew on. I just don't think that's the movie that they're trying to make. And I think they made a good movie uh, that is pretty, pretty thrilling and like fast paced. So just, you know, just maybe not entirely for me. Um, but yeah, it's good. Great. So it's a uh, pro terrorism. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Domestic terrorism. Oh, even which better. is Vogue right now. It is. What a great time to be alive. <laughs> Speaking of that, said, Randy, talk about uh, the British skinny woman. Yeah, I watched uh, the Hulu movie, uh, The Boston Strangler, or just Boston Strangler, uh, which came out uh, earlier this year with Kira Knightley, Carrie Coon, and Chris Cooper. Uh, a lot of other- A lot uh, of C's. I know. A lot yeah. of C's. A lot, dude, oh, look at- Double K, double C, double C. I think there's a Bill Camp in an, in a uh, in a scene too. Um, so yeah, a lot of really solid actors. But uh, essentially, this is about the oh, Dasmalchian. I don't know who that is. Uh, yeah, you know him. He's got the weird face. Character actor, Dasmalchian. You know him. Okay. Okay, yeah, I see him now. <laughs> uh, essentially, yeah, it is about uh, Laura McLaughlin, who was the reporter who sort of was first uh, connected to the murders of the Boston Strangler and the one that kind of like started to sort of like draw comparisons through, uh, you know, each of the murders and kind of like she was working for a newspaper or and, uh, it, you know, this wasn't really her beat type of thing, but she's like, I really, you know, kind of want to like look into this. I feel like people aren't really like looking into it or like drawing connections. She kind of comes up with thing, like one thing early on that like seems pretty obvious, but like seems like people aren't really looking into it. Uh, so she kind of like sort of after hours, her boss um, essentially is like, you still got to like do your job. She's like, what if I do this? Like, you know, on my own time. And he's like, okay, cool. And we'll like publish it. <laughs> I don't have to pay you go for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then she sort of gets teamed up with Jean Cole, who is played by Carrie Coon, uh, who is very good as well. Um, and yeah, it's essentially, you know, it's one of those sort of journalism, uh, sort of movies, sort of like a process movie. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds you of, although not as good as Zodiac, Zodiac is probably, you know, up there with, uh, you know, one of my uh, favorite types of these movies. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of like, you know, one of those sort of movies like Dark Waters or uh, what's the uh, the Catholic Church one? Spotlight. Exorcist. Spotlight. Spotlight. Yeah. So it's it's a genre of movie <laughs> that I really like. Um, so I, w- I, w- I dug it enough, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not terribly great. Um, I don't know. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but like I was watching it and I was like, okay, I like this type of movie, you know, like this is like kind of like my thing, but I don't know. I I watched it earlier this morning and it kind of has faded a little bit since, but yeah, it's out there on Hulu. Like this is your, your type of genre. Hulu is definitely not where I go for my genre films. Yeah. It's also annoying that. You pay for Hulu and there's commercials, commercials. during the movies too. Although, yeah, so. I'll tell you right now, Huluween rocks the house down, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I tried to make a Hubie Halloween, but it's like it's Hulu Halloween. It's, it's, it's the same thing. Your mouth was moving, but like nothing was coming out. <laughs> Hubie Halloween? Hubie Halloween rips. Watch that instead of uh, Boston Strangler. There you go. 
Oh my god! Yeah, that's about it. I didn't. I didn't watch a whole lot this week. Uh, I I started watching uh, season three of Dave. I haven't started. It's pretty good stuff. I mean, if you like the last last couple seasons, you know, it's 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 more of that. It's creative. It's fun. I'm a fan. There you go. Uh, now, Randy Michael Hemi stars on Boston Strangler. Uh, I got a two and a half feeling out of you. Three. I, I rated it right after I watched it when I was like kind of high on it. So I've rated it a three, but yeah, yeah. it might be a two and a half. Yeah, I, I'm Clark is correct. The, your rundown of it felt like a two and a half, but two and a half. Yeah. I could feel he. Yeah, I feel like you're a Knightley fan. Is that true? Uh, I like Kira Knightley. Yeah, she's good. God, you're such an incel, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Voluntary. False cell. Oh, you're a Volcel. Yep. Oh, ooh. Sounds like a Pokemon. That sounds like a uh, Transformer. <laughs> that's uh, that trailer is it? That, that that new movie. That's a good trailer, dude. That's a trailer. Have you seen it? No. The Transformers are animals now, dude. Yeah. It's sick. I haven't seen it, but yeah. Um, is this maybe the only Transformer movie I ever see? <laughs> Why? I've never seen a single one. Oh, you hate cinema. Never seen it. How many have you seen? Uh, Thank you so much. I saw the LaBeouf one. That's like eight of them. <laughs> I know. I watched the first one. I'm a huge Megan Fox fan. And when it came out, the news how she was Hey, hated. what's he? Did he retire? What's Who? he doing? LaBeouf. I, I don't know. Didn't he get canceled or something? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah Randy, you get Google. No, oh, he got canceled? Uh, yeah, there were some uh, allegations that I think when he was dating FKA Twigs that he beat her or something. So. Who? <laughs> FKA Twigs. Uh, she's a musician that I've never listened to. FKA Twigs. Dude, it's weird that you're referring to her by her Reddit name. What's her Christian name? <laughs> Not her license know. plate. <laughs> What is she, Elon's daughter or something? <laughs> what the fuck's up with his name? Oh, my goodness. Okay. You guys aren't down with FKA? No, but I am down Formally with Beast known Wars. As Twigs? No, no, here's the thing. Beast Wars is Transformers where uh, they were all animals. Is that what the movie's going to be? Oh, bro, she dated Robert Pattinson, too? Okay, I see what's happening. Hell, happening. yeah. Yeah, she liked to be strangled, clearly. Just like Randy, yeah, likes she's women. she's one of these uh, you know, attractive people that looks like a gray alien. Oh, what do you mean, like an A twenty four broad? Big narrow. Speaking of which, she is currently narrow cheeks. <laughs> Wait, hold on, go ahead, Randy. Oh, I said, speaking of which, I think he's currently dating or married to Mia Goth. The beef. There you go. That's right. She's into it though. Got a yeah, she's talented too. <laughs> They're both misunderstood um, auteurs of their craft. I will say though, I haven't given a flying fucking thought about Infinity Pool since I've seen it. Uh, I have because it came out and it's got a slipcover and I really want it. <laughs> that movie, that movie see, was a bunch no, of nothing. Fuck no, that's a movie that you need to wait around in. I do think it is Cren- Cronenberg's worst, which doesn't. I mean. It came out at a weird time. Infinity Pool and Crimes it's, of the Future. It's vapid. No, I like it. Vapid. I think, but I also think that helps with uh, what the movie is, where it's kind of like, you know, the culture as is, where when you have money, you just kind of do nothing. You just kind of fuck around a little bit, but you're not really doing anything. If I may, I don't know if Skarsgård was the best for that role. I don't know. Well, he was like a traditional... Um, 
hollow Hollywood. Person. I don't buy him as a writer, dude. Well, no, he wasn't. That's he was bad. Yeah. Yeah, That's the he's, point. Because he's too pretty. No, okay, don't Kim he's Novak too me. Pretty. You know, here's the thing. He worked for the role because he was being played. The thing is, I think audiences aren't used to he's taking. A good mark. They're not taking in the digital information. We kind of have to play ball in the world. That's I. You know, yeah. the problem for me is is that I think the last thing I had seen him in, and probably the rest of the country. Is the Northman. The Northman, When I know. he was fucking kicking ass. Yeah, how do you go from king to cuck, dude? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know? I fell asleep during the Northman. Oh, you're such... That's Bro. because you have low T, and it shows. <laughs> this is you true. Need to <laughs> go drink some um, semen. And think, is that how you get testosterone? <laughs> yes, continue doing so. And then go watch the Northman again. And do some mushrooms. And jerk Hell off yeah. while you do it. Yeah. Somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it is the Randy and the Russell retread. I finally saw Cocaine Bear because Cocaine Bear is now available on my newest, most favoritedest streaming apparatus known as Peacock. I'm all in on Peacock. I'm, I'm bullish on Peacock, baby. Russ, what's your thoughts on Peacock? I think you're an idiot. Why? <laughs> because you're bullish on Peacock. Uh, nah, as I st- as I stated, I'm back in on professional wrestling. And oh, that's okay. the network for professional wrestling and for cocaine eh, bear. You're like a weird fair weather fan. You're like somebody who says I love the NFL, but I only watch the Super Bowl. No, explain something. No, 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 no. Again, I have committed a life around football, so I can do as I I can go in and out as I please. That commitment is there. Don't you dare lose it. When you're in the game, you're in the game. We'll see you next week. Cocaine Bear. (laughs) Boys and girls, I'm not going to lie to you. I hated the first 20 minutes of this movie. Hated it. I didn't know what it was. And then Russell John's thoughts just kept, uh, you know, in just infecting my ears. Don't blame me. What I say, you you planted the seeds of this is a horror movie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's but they weird. don't. But they don't know it's a horror movie. But they do horror movie things. This the bear is the slasher. Yeah, there's there's no way around that. The problem that I have with this is not the horror element of this. Mm-mm. They do a pretty good job. Yeah. It's everything else that weighed this thing down. I don't care about the subplot about the little girl missing with Carrie Russell. Yeah. That was the dumbest hunk of shit I ever saw. My, I didn't care. I didn't care about any of that. And it finally, I finally crippled. It finally just broke me down at the end where I was like, all right, Great. I'm semi-invested in this because everyone's committing and it, I guess it's working. Mm-hmm. Fine. But I wish, but it took forever to get to the bear stuff. Then when it did, I thought that they utilized everything well. It just was, it, man, it was, was it sloppy up top? <laughs> well, here, okay. <laughs> it I, was a sloppy topic. I don't watch trailers for anything. So in my head, I thought the movie might have actually followed the bear and it would be like a bear finding cocaine and then just randomly running into people and murdering them 
And I, I was okay with that. And I thought it was going to be funny and over the top and CGI. And dude, no, it's a Friday the 13th movie where they really try to get you invested in every character. So much, man. Like it, in, I, it just was, it kept whiff, whiff, whiff. Then it finally started to build because I just was stuck there, I guess. Uh, but it felt too long. Um, the, the character stuff just did not work for me. I didn't care. Would you? Did you like the gore? It was pretty solid, dude. That uh, the ambulance bit was brutal. Man, yeah, you weren't kidding. Our girl Margot Martindale, so good. But they did her dirty. They did, and she <laughs> was the only one who had me like laughing out loud. Really, she in the was. Film. So good. Well, I, I thought Jesse Tyler Ferguson did a great job too, as, as the uh, park ranger and the yeah. tree. All yeah. that that stuff was really good. Well, they felt like a unit, like, like yeah. that group, that whole thing. But also, I thought the scariest moment in this movie was when the bear was outside of the ranger cabin, coming in. I again, I had a rough day that day, and I was looking for a dumb comedy, and I got in there and I'm like, "What the fuck, man!" Like, look at the goddamn poster. You don't, like... That's the thing. Tonally, tonally, it just never, it never got fully together. And I think that part of my frustration is that, what a great idea. And yeah. I, I, it, it was the script for me. It was too, it was too popcorn-y. There's a lot of popcorn fluff here. I thought it here. wasn't popcorn There's popcorn fluff here. I don't let's know. Get, let's fully commit to the horror side of things. When you give a title as Cocaine Bear, I know. you're setting an expectation for exploitation. <laughs> exploitation <laughs> expectations yeah. with Clark Little. That's a new segment. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Am I wrong? No. I mean, I, I understand that we're coming from a very specific viewpoint here, but when you have a title like Cocaine Bear, yeah. I think that any average moviegoer because we have occupied the Sharknado tornado for yeah, the longest no, exactly. time, like that—that's the expectation here, and we didn't—we didn't fully commit to that here. We got a bunch of a, a kid missing for three quarters of the movie. Yeah, I don't care. Well, if you remember when we were um, when we saw it in the theater, people walked out, and not because they were offended. It's kind of like, like is this the movie? And then they they bailed. So I don't think you're alone. Like the bear stuff works. Yeah, the bear's good. The bear's good. The bear's I, dumb too, but it, it works. I had no problem, and also love the love the little cubbies. That was fun. Yeah, man. Uh, Leota, that was a weird. That was weird. He didn't look good. He didn't do good in the movie, and he was just playing a scumbag as shallow. Like he you, phoned it in. And you knew he was going to get his comeuppance, and uh, I thought that was good. It's weird, though, because, you know, the movie, you show up for a cocaine bear, and you get some kids jumping another kid in a bathroom. <laughs> like It's like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I liked it, though. At the end of the day, I just, it wasn't the movie that I wanted at the time, but I think there's stuff there. Oh, for sure. Animal and, attack movies. We don't get a lot of them. And, uh, yeah, man, it 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 definitely catches you off guard with the brutality. Yeah. That ambulance scene was impressive. Did you get a kick out of the kids doing cocaine? How'd you feel about I that? I don't like that. That was weird, right? <laughs> I don't like that. I I'm sorry. I don't like, like it. Like it felt 
almost like <laughs> super bad or something. Yeah, I'm like, all right, yay. But they're like, it was weird how innocent those kids felt. Like they did a good job. Yeah. And then them eating cocaine. I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. How yeah, I don't know. It. Kids do it. I've never been entertained by that. By children. No, I just, I, I don't know. It's just uh, kids don't need to grow up that fast, dude. That's why I have a hard time with euphoria. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else on that? I know Ray Liotta was a bummer. What about um, uh, f- fucking the okay. rapper's son? Yeah, there you go. Also, uh, our boy Clay Davis. Oh, I know. Clay Davis was good in that. Clay Davis was great. I liked him. He's always going to bring it. Uh, yeah. I like him. I like yeah. O'Shea Jackson. That's nepotism, though, right? Well, he looks a lot like his daddy. Yeah, I know. He looks just like him. But I mean, like, other than being Ice Cube's kid, like, what else has he done? Let me let me look it up. Oh, he was in um, that movie I like with uh, that girl you don't like that I think you're starting to like. Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. She's okay. I want her to get angry, though. <laughs> I need an angry uh, Plaza coming in. Watch Eminem is the criminal. Yeah. I want I want her to fall out with What's Hollywood that? and then make like interesting indie films. That's what I need. Emily the she already does that. All right. I, I remember he did Straight Out Compton. Yeah, he was on Ingrid Goes. Oh, Lead. Den of Thieves. I watched that. Well, that's a fucking cool guy movie. Oh, it 100%. He plays <laughs> a character named Donnie Wilson. <laughs> Dude, Den of Thieves is sick. Yeah, I mean, he's done some work, but I'm like, like oh, God, he was in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, yeah. I yeah, watched that. Whatever. Okay. I'm done. I'm done with He was mouse. okay. I, I really, I was looking for him to, like, make me laugh in this movie, too. And I'm like, oh, he's not, like, a bad actor. Well, that's but- an interesting expectation. I thought this movie was going to be, like, fucking American Pie or something. Why? Because it was called Cocaine Bear. See? We all, we all came I in I thought the bear was going to, like, mutilate somebody and then rape them. <laughs> Well, we we thought that. Then he went to sleep. Yeah, I know. I was hoping, I was like, don't rape this dude. Right now, dude. I don't want. I don't want this. Randy, did you? I did you not like this movie? Is that right? It's kind of meh. Yeah, I, tonally, it was weird for me. It felt like it was yeah. a little too goofy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember a whole lot about. It. I do. Like I said, I like the gore stuff. The uh, Margot Martindale kill was good. She's very good in it. But yeah, I don't know. Tonally, it was just kind of like a little all over the place to me. And it kind of felt like a, uh, like an SNL skit of an eighties movie sometimes. Yeah, that's fair. Sketch, not skit. I, uh, you know, honestly, like air if was I like air was a, a very eighties movie and it had, we, we complained about the, uh, needle needle drops in air, but besides those, it didn't feel, it felt genuinely eighties as this felt like, Weren't the eighties like wacky and like all this like stuff happened? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny. I watched a, um, when Terrell went on the peaches Christ podcast, we were looking a lot at fright night, kind of like commentary. And one of the most interesting things I'd heard was that fright night really captured the eighties where a lot of it was just leftover from the seventies. So like home interior was really dull. You had a lot of like wood panel, like bad carpeting. A lot of the clothing was really like, like bland, like just flat khaki colors and stuff. Like it wasn't vibrant, garish, like everybody's in a leotard working out vibe. Yeah. And, you know, I've really started to appreciate that. Like it's a weird nostalgia era. And in this movie, no. It was it was zany eighties time. Yeah, but it's just it, because the needle drops and all that. I yeah, it, it it that was lame. 
Um, at no point did I really feel immersed in the 80s or whatever. It's just like, all right, y'all are playing cosplay. It just so stupid. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Right. I did like, I, I would 100% love a full-size Smokey the Bear poster, though. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. All right. Uh, cocaine Bear, uh, How two, many? two stars. Okay. Really? No, I don't know. Three and a half. <laughs> okay, Randy. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> uh, last night. Uh, perusing on now, Russell, you you just mentioned that uh, Hulu is not the platform to peruse for your horror movies. No, the one that is is Amazon. I thought you were going to say Peacock. They're still on. No, there. no, no. <laughs> yeah. I, like that's the thing. It's like you know, you got to know what tools you have in your toolbox. Okay, I can get on board. I got my Peacock tool. Oh, boy, that's a lot to play with there. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon Prime. Lucky bastard. As Randy leaves <laughs> at the most important part where I think I, 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 he may like this movie. I don't know. Now, that's why I um, I actually don't know a whole lot of backstory on this movie. Um, I watched this last night as a blind watch. I uh, didn't know anything about it. Um, and then I had to check in with you today to see if you had any history with this because – uh, this is a found footage film, and this that is protocol here at Overlook <laughs> Mountain is that we, we have to check in uh, regarding the found footage element. So uh, you gave me the blessing uh, that you, you knew a little bit about this movie, right? Mm -hmm. Not a ton, uh, but it's this movie is uh, nearly a decade. Uh, it came out in 2014. Um, it's called Lucky Bastard by director Robert Nathan. A fan is invited to take part in a porn video with his favorite porn star. He is romantically rejected and goes on a killing spree on location. That is what we know. And uh, as we said, this is a found footage film. So um, it very much falls in the line of uh, this is an actual um, scenario uh, that was played out in pornography um, in the, let's say, mid, early to mid aughts. Somewhere in that. Uh, it was like a bang-a-fan scenario. And uh, all highly scripted. And the way that the movie plays on that, um, it, it follows that format, and it kind of goes behind the curtain there. So um, I could see that, you know, there was a thoughtful approach here to the industry as a whole, and they kind of um, played into that. Um, so that was refreshing to see, is that, you know, um, they're not pulling any punches in any direction and it's not like a negative look at the industry. Um, so I, I thought that that was a, that that as a whole was interesting. Um, as far as the performances here are, are pretty good. Um, you know, this thing is very, very, very watchable. Um, which is interesting given its rating, which is NC-17. So that's the interesting bit here, uh, and that I'm going to be completely clear. That is what pulled me it, my interest on Amazon Prime. Randy, I'm out there. I'm out there on these streets. You understand? I don't see an NC-17 every day. Do you are you? Know, you're out there. How often are you seeing an NC-17? Not often. I don't even know what uh, NC stands for. No children under seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> I, I, I didn't know. 
boy. The the endless fountain of improv of Randy Stan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so here's our, our now. All right. Mm, I want to keep, because I know you want to watch this now. Um, so I won't. I, mm. Yeah, you can talk. Okay. There is or a, I could go to the bathroom while you're going to. Well, there's a scenario at the beginning of the movie um, where you think it's taking a, it takes a turn very quickly. And you're like, oh, I understand the rating now. And then it and then it, it we change pitch here. Um, that's all I'll say in, in regards to that. But uh, it is, yeah. There's, I don't think there's, you know, you'll see titties. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you see a penis. Oh, we're gonna be talking titties when it comes to my turn. Today. You know, you, there's, there's no fellatio. There's no, there's like, no over. Dick. There's a. I don't, I don't think there was a penis what in the whole the, thing. Okay, that's a fucking red flag. You'll see, you'll see. You know, there's some, there's two naked people riding each other, and you know the moaning and the groaning, but uh, the moaning was that your OJ, right? Yeah. Not OJ, your Bill Cosby. The moaning and the groaning. Oh my uh, apparently he did a lot of that too. I got a lot of OJ on the mind. Apparently that's weird. I know. Why? Eh, not for me. OJ on the line. We almost bought a Bronco yesterday. That's why. Oh <laughs> hell yeah! Collector's edition. You were OJ on my mind. Comes with one driving glove. Like Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> what were we talking about? This movie. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'll take. I'll take questions at this time. Okay, well, here's... I hope in the floor. I'm bummed. Male nudity again. Uh, I know it is 2023 right now, but whenever you see a uh, male genitalia, mm -hmm. you know that they're, we're not holding back. And when you have a movie that's centered around porn and also, like, you're framing it in-world camera, you really want to get, like, you want to blur the line. And honestly... Again, I'm going to shout out my Bible, uh, found footage, horror films, fear and the appearance of reality. Uh, the book penned by um, Alexander Heller Nicholas. She points out that early found footage owes a lot to POV porn. And what porn did was it blurred the studio line. Like they really wanted you to feel like it was like a home movie yeah. or something. And so that you could imagine you were there. And found footage is kind of tapping into that anyway. Found footage horror. So making a film that blends the two seems like a perfect way to really like make something that feels like viscerally real. Sure. But if you're not going to show a wiener, dude, you're going to well, call bullshit. Me. I mean, when I think of porn, like real porn, it's immediately there's a dong. Yeah. Right. Like immediately. They yeah. should have opened with one. Yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> Uh, is laughing. <laughs> laughing to Mike. Why? Why are you fighting me on this? You don't think so? I'm not fighting you. I just like, I, that's like off-putting for. Well, it would be an easy way to let people know this movie is either for you or not for you. And, you know, you end up watching a uh, gritty indie horror like Terrifier 2. There's no male nudity in that movie. But we did watch a brutal. Is there not? I don't think there is. I don't think there's dicks. It feels like there should be, but I don't think there is. It's two and a half hours. There's got to be a dick somewhere. <laughs> the movie Headless. Again, go look it up. I'm not going to retread that. But I had Robbie Smith over here who is a connoisseur of carnage. You can use that, Robbie. And he was watching it and we're at the end of the film. And he's like, is there going to be a fucking dick in this movie or what? 
And I remember th- I instantly went back to when I first watched the movie with Oksana. I'm like, is there going to be a dick in this movie or not? Like, really, are you going to fucking put it on the table? And thankfully, right, right at the last yard line, we get a male wiener. And um, it was glorious and it really tied the movie together. Yeah. Uh, nothing ties a movie together <laughs> like a dick. Hard or flaccid. And, and we don't. You can't do hard. It's not an appearance. Uh, well, it's a different uh, conversation. Yeah, which would have fallen into uh, appropriate territory in this uh, f- film. So instantly you tell me there's no um, naked dude. I feel like they're going to be holding back in other territory too. I really, so back, what in do you the, mean? so back in the day when I did my pre uff thing and we, um, me and Oksana had a bunch of people over in our garage and showed like four movies and we uh, put short films in between. They're all found footage. This film was being talked about in production. And I remember at the time they were even flirting with an idea of doing a like contest where maybe like, you know, you could win um, a hookup with somebody and they're really playing with like the marketing. And it just, I don't know. I'm, I'm concerned now that we get like cutaway kills or something. I can't even imagine what the carnage. So, uh, carnage, not great. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. A little, maybe a little CG blood here and there. And we're talking in 2014 CG blood. Yeah. It's not great, but it's not, it's not about the killing. You understand? It's not about the destination. <laughs> it's about the journey, man. Okay, you're, you're right. How is the main character? How is the lucky, uh, the titular lucky bastard? He's, he's, I mean, that's, that's our guy right there, top right corner, Dave J- G. Jay Paulson. Jay Paulson. Um, so, yeah, you look at that guy, you get creepy and cell vibes, kind uh-huh. of, right? Yep. Uh, just a, a pale gentleman, um, you know, ginger. Mm hmm. Receding hairline, uh, Randy. I really wanted to put in that ginger to to separate from describing you. So, uh, yeah, it's just. I mean, he does he does a very good job here, um, and you can tell he's a polished actor. Um, and uh, yeah, he's just he's great at being uh, unsettled. Weird. I thought for sure he was like an indie one off guy. I just pulled him up on IMDb. He's got a lot of credits under his belt. Well, dude, he was on Mad Men before this, dude. Oh, shit. Okay. I think he had a bit Does more. he carry the movie? Is he at least entertaining? Uh, no. Uh, uh, well, he is entertaining. <laughs> okay. I, I, I said no because he doesn't carry the movie. Betsy Rue. Okay. She plays Ashley Saint. Um, she is the porn star uh, that is uh, the center of this movie. She... Does a fantastic job, uh, and I. This is the first time I had been on her page. So yeah, you know she's been around too. Um, she's in my bloody Valentine. Yeah, and, uh, Nightblade. What is that? Oh, she was in Miss March, the Heartbreak Kid. I don't know what Nightblade is. Uh, she's fantastic. Oh, Halloween too. There yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, she's great. And True Blood, your favorite. Um. Oh, look at that. NCIS, your favorite. Oh. <laughs> Bones. Randy's favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah, fantastic. Um, she, 
she plays a mom too, and you know that obviously plays into the storyline. And um, you know, I yeah, she just kind of is um, you know, uh, a lunch pail uh, porn star. All right, she's there for the work. She does the work, and if the work's you know the work is fucking people, that's just that's what yeah, she does. She yeah. she's like, I like to fuck. I fuck on camera. I can do it for my kids, and I hope they appreciate it. That, 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 that's it. So it's that's it. It's a job, but you can tell when she the first time you see her on camera, like any set she walks into, she's the veteran. She's running the show. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of get that you know authoritative feel from her. And it's welcome uh, because it's not it's authoritative, but you also feel you know comfortable with her um, because she does come across as very matronly, okay, uh, more than anything, um, which is interesting in this you know dynamic um, that's playing. And uh, I think that the chemistry that she has or lack therein with Jay Paulson's character um, is good because it's uncomfortable. Um, and, uh, the guy running the site, uh, Don McManus, he's, yeah, click on that guy. He looked familiar to me too. Um, he kind of looks like if, um, Steven Byro was portrayed in yeah. like a, a movie. Yeah. Again, Steven Byro is the head of unearthed pictures. Oh, whoa. He does a voice in fucking, um, what the name, what the fuck is the name of that game? Oh, he's been 162 things. That's yeah. This man is, uh. Life is strange. Is that what it's called, Oksana? He's a working man. Yeah. Man, I I love watching other. He was in Paranormal Activity: The Ghost Dimension. Yeah, but I I just saw a video game that I like him in. That's what I'm really concerned about. Fuck found footage. It's all he's in Kill Theory. Oh, he was in Cirque du Freak, the Vampire's Assistant. Dude, fuck. Oh yeah. my. Um. Yeah, he's good. Uh. Again, the kills. The, the that's not the selling point of this movie. Um. They're not great. Uh, and then at the end, he just he, he goes to a gun and just shoots people. <laughs> it's just like CG gunshots. And we're like, okay, maybe they spent all their budget on the house. You know, I don't know. That's just how it goes sometimes. You could tell that this, you know, this whole thing was shoestring, um, but it's solid. Um, this, is, this is a nice little movie. The Valhalla Murders? Oh, he did God of War Ragnarok, too. He was Did in Under the Silver Lake as well, which rips. Dude. there, Yeah, he's got a, he, yeah, you've seen his face, man. He's been around. The great Don McManus. What is the name of that game? Five stars Life to Don is strange. McManus. Those, yes. those games are so interesting to me where it's just like you uh, are navigating a choose-your-own-adventure, basically. Like, they're way more fun than they should be. And that game, oh my God, it's emotional. I love it. Sorry, I right. saw that trailer playing on IMDb. Don McManus, five stars. Um, is the movie titillating? No. Okay. No, it's not. Um, at all. Damn. You know, you came in here and I was all pumped to watch it, and I feel like you just talked me out of it. No, it, I, again, I think it's a it's a nice little movie. Here's here's an idea for a found footage movie. Why not just get a real porn star and follow them around cinema verte style while they actually do one of these? I feel like that would be, well, I guess that would just be a real documentary, but yeah. I've got, it sounds like it would be a horrific event. 
All right, so you want um So they don't do that anymore. Let's get Frederick Wiseman. Oh, yeah, exactly. To follow around Riley Reed. And uh yeah, that that's something. What is what is the new um Twitch? That, are, are you up on this? It seems like you'd be into it. Also, if they fucked, I'd watch that too. What's it called, Oksana? <laughs> do you remember? Damn, there was a big blow up about it. Um Mo- Moist Critical laughed at a trailer during a Twitch award. I know I'm in the weeds here, <laughs> but there's a new streaming service available that basically has no content restriction. So the, uh, the marketplace lies in between Twitch and OnlyFans. Mm. And the idea is that you could have tiers like on Patreon and you could offer content where it's like, I'm going to play a video game naked or we're going to watch porn together. And it's streaming. Um, I feel like that market of like sexuality and like death <laughs> just doesn't it doesn't get enough tread in like found footage because the yeah. whole thing is you're somebody watching a, a horrible thing that has been taped and it's like primed for it and i think you know part of the um misogynistic bliss of vhs is that one moment which is a throwaway moment but one of the most haunting where in that wraparound it's a bunch of dudes in a parking garage and one of them runs up to a girl and just pulls her top up and it's like, and on that camera, the camera is now a weapon. You've recorded this girl in uh, a moment where she's been compromised in a way that, you know, God, where we are now in 2023, you could blast that all over the place. And then with the, what did you find out what the name was? Kick? No, it's not kick. That um, That's already around. It's a new one. But you could, you know, essentially take that footage and show it on there. And after a long legal process, I remember, what was that website where it's like dudes would put videos of their ex-girlfriends up? Oh, yeah. Like, how long did it take for that to come down? Yeah, and then, yeah, like, yeah. does it ever really come down? Yeah. Like, dude, that's, that's like, ripe yeah. for, like, found footage. So, I don't know. I'm kind of bummed. This seemed like a great opportunity. No, also, I, again, this yeah. is a nice little movie. Okay. I'll watch it. Yeah, I d- again, it's it's expectations there because um, what was that uh, porn movie we watched last year? <laughs> Which one? Did we talk about it on the show or was yeah. it just a me and you date thing? Yeah, no, it was the international thing. Oh. Uh, Randy, what was that called? It was highbrow. It was more of a tour of job opportunities than like a titillating yeah. look at this naked girl thing. Yeah, that movie was good. I think it was called Pleasure. Pleasure. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, this is the anti-pleasure. Well, pleasure. Did you think pleasure was titillating? No. Okay, me either. No, but it's the same sort of thing, dude. I any industry movie is not going to be titillating because um, behind the curtain, it's like it's the, it shows the business side. Yeah, but what if you're like really fucked up and you're just into it? Or would that make you fucked up or like just happy in your career? I don't know. That's something <laughs> for you and Jesus to figure out. I guess it's something for the um the um. Western culture identity to like struggle with. Like, is it actually okay for women to have fun doing this instead of just being like a girl boss? And, anyway, you know, you've yes, get- queening to completion. Yeah, right. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, here's the thing you've given me a segue that I could take because you're talking about boobs. So, I'm always I, talking about boobs. I think I'm gonna take it. Um, I'm gonna In reorder the these movies. So, I watched the film. Uh, I get this actually ties into Terrell being on that podcast films at home. Um, 
I produce all of these things. So whenever Terrell's on a like, uh, which is the only reason I allow you to talk about other people. (laughs) Yeah. Which is, you know, I sit in here and I, I'm a voyeur and I listen to everything they're talking about and up top, um, their conversation, I believe the other dude is named Jeff mentioned, uh, kill her goats because, uh, a lot of this networking happens over Instagram. And if you watch Blu-ray Tuesday, Terrell talked a little bit about this, but me and him watch this together. And we kind of know it as the Instagram movie. They assaulted us. And by us, I mean Oksana, Terrell. Honestly, have you guys seen ads for Kill Her Goats? It was a Steelbook release, Blu-ray. It toted Kane Hodder as the slasher. You know I get Google updates on Kane Hodder, but (laughs) this uh, this slipped to the cracks. It's new? Okay. Then we just were under the keywords that they were marketing to. And it came through a lot. And it was weird that the release looked so good, yet I had never heard anything about the movie outside of it. So, you know what? Like all good addicts do, we just blindly pulled the trigger (laughs) and a beautiful release. But it turned into one of those movies that we bought and left on a shelf. So when Jeff brought it up to the elf, next to the elf, um, we, you know, after they got off the call, I'm like, hey, you want to watch that movie? Like, fuck it, I'll open mine. Terrell doesn't like to open his uh, steel books, but I'm like, dude, let's fuck it. Let's watch it. So we threw it on. Didn't know what to do uh, or to what to expect. We knew Kane Hodder was going to be in there uh, playing Goatface. And um, Goatface Kelly. I know, I know we have a highbrow crowd. Only the most intelligent film goers listen to this show or sadistic. And here's the thing y'all have Letterbox. And I'm sure y'all know. Letterbox hates this fucking movie. Where where is it sitting on uh, IMDb right now? Where do you find the rating? Go up. Go up. Do you see it anywhere? I don't uh, see one. It should be there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, here's the thing. People hate it. I had a lot of fun with this movie. And again, you know, I know y'all give me shit because you think I am insane. From the way I rate movies to my appreciation to them. Correct. So here. And it's confirmed. We have record on the show. It's <laughs> over 10,000 hours. Well, this one isn't going to be any different. This movie is about a bunch of girls. They are all, um, here's the thing. Uh, we got to do a little bit of groundwork. The difference between a beautiful girl and a hot girl is the interaction or the way that men think about them. Hot mm-hmm. girls uh, are, they're women that men want to hook up with. Mm-hmm. Look at this bitch in her tube top and short skirt. Like, let's bone that. Let's do it. More sizzle than steak. Beautiful is, you know, like uh, a Disney princess. They're a full package. There's somebody you want to take home to mom. Anna Nicole Smith. (laughs) This movie is full of hot bitches with a capital H and an AWT. I love a hot bitch. These girls are fucking also very much bitches. And it's kind of perfect. It's like if you want to really push a slasher to just the core elements that make up its DNA. And this is where I'm going to get a little out there and I know I'm going to lose all of you, but um, we're going back to, to the Jungian theory. I've never read myself and we're doing the anima animus male versus female. And it's a journey of celebrity death match. (laughs) It's a story of women um, learning about their inner power and overcoming men who are stunted mentally usually and are very beast like. And and in this movie, we have a lot of characters that have no growth. Uh, We have a lot of um, 
pretty girls who are constantly in and out of their clothing. I believe we have five different shower scenes. Uh, the camera does not lie. We're doing some Italian horror of the 80s. We zoom in on butts. We Mama zoom in mia. on boobs. Um, there's a do lot we of, pan on boobs? Uh, our butts. We don't do a lot of panning in the movie, period. Oh, no, there, Peter. There's a lot of in and out. <laughs> but not no really. Because there's something missing in this cabin in the woods here. And it's a dude. Our, our cast of survivors are all girls, except for one guy who's secondary. And... It's weird. It's like a house bubbling with um, with hormones, except there's no male there. So you don't get any of the gratuitous like hookup. You get a lot of yeah. wine drinking. You get a lot of uh, nudity. But it's like, it's almost like there's no, something. There's no penetration. Yeah. So it's almost like, it's almost teasing you with it for two thirds of the movie. Or even scissoring. Here's the any other girl thing. on girl. No, and the girls are a little flirty, but they never go that gratuitous. That say wild things. But there are moments where, like, a girl cruel uh, intentions. The camera will linger on a girl going to bed, and she gets completely nude. Uh, she'll jump out of bed saying something, licked her foot. Hell except yeah. she doesn't say that. Oh. She goes, "Lock up your dog," and she'll be just naked in the front room with this other girl watching a movie alone, drinking wine. <laughs> and the girl won't mention that she's naked, and the other girl won't remark on it either. And she'll be like, what are you talking about? And she's like, lock up your dog. He's in there licking my foot. It scared me. And she's like, look around, bitch. I don't have a dog. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? And it's like, you're, you're insane. Go back to bed. And she's like, something licked my foot. It didn't have to be a dog. And she's like, well, nothing did. Go back to bed. This is the kind of conversation you have. Um, in the beginning of the movie, Terrell does a better job of breaking this down. But I do want to note. You, when you're feeling out an indie film, you want to get an idea of the production. Like, are they paying attention? Continuity? Do they give a fuck at all? And in the beginning, we have a, a very well-endowed blonde girl. Kind of in a anti-House of the Devil style. One character roaming around a new house. It's daytime. She's alone. She has a full glass of wine. She does Red a, or white? Red. She does a twirl in the kitchen, spills it all over the floor. Love it. So she gets down on her hands and knees. Hardwood carpet. I believe it was tile in the kitchen. Okay. Um, carpet would be of weird choice. I know. But, <laughs> but who, you never know. Could be budgetary concerns. So here she's down. She's scrubbing <laughs> the tile floor of her wine. She also has a, a glass of wine next to her on the floor. Ooh. Well, when she's done, she gets up and leaves the wine on the floor. Immediately in the room, Terrell, Oksana, and I are all like, are they going to remember that? That feels like a weird thing that they just kept. Chekhov's wine. And it's going to be really fucking stupid. Except it didn't feel like Chekhov's wine. It felt like production error. Oh. So she goes upstairs. She's looking Wait, around. Chekhov was a PA. Did you not know that? <laughs> He's the one that coined it? Yeah. Um. So she went upstairs. She gets on a bed. She's rolling around the bed. It's all very weird. You're like, why is she acting like this? She rolls off the bed, hits her head on a nightstand, gets up off the floor, brushes it off. It doesn't even feel like it was part of the plot. It felt like keep that take. It felt real. And we're like, oh, this is a weird movie. It's shot okay. If you're a, a subscriber to Scary Thoughts Podcast, which you should be, you'll know the term premium mediocrity. This kept ringing out in my ears when I was watching this. We get back downstairs. She goes through the kitchen. She kicks over her wine glass. And I'm like, oh, weird. That was a real choice they made. 
And from then on, I was kind of- Was it worth it? It was interesting because it comes back. So she had friends over and she kicks over their wine. They're like, why was that on the floor? And she was like, oh, I fucking spilt it. And they're being (laughs) weird. And there's a lot of like, not really needle drops because it all felt like fake music that, uh, I mean, I shazammed all of it. It's all very real. But you just have all these, like these blonde girls are almost interchangeable. You forget who's who. And there's one brunette. She feels different. She's more, um, uh, she's the only one without a flat butt, but she's not as well endowed. She's got a very strange What, she's got a dick? She's got a, no. She's what? She's a strange figure. (laughs) She does. She had very thick thighs. I honestly, I honestly think the male audience may prefer her to the other blondes. Which is weird because she has a dream sequence that feels very Nightmare on Elm Street. Yet she is a spoiler. We're getting in spoiler territory. She's killed off camera and it's almost a reveal that she's dead. (laughs) And here's the thing. This movie has what I think is my favorite territory for an indie film where you can't tell if something is like an interesting exploration of visual art or just a misunderstanding of visual narrative. And honestly, I think there's a little bit of both going on here. So if you're like me and you felt there was an odd, um, there was an emptiness to the male presence in this house of hormones, just you wait because the goat face killer shows up and testosterone runneth amok. Um, The movie has some good gore. Kane Hodder gives his typical I'm a lumbering Hulk performance. Nothing really special here. If they didn't say it was Kane Hodder in all of the marketing, I would have never known. Um, and here's, um, here's where I really go off a cliff. If you're into tabletop gaming, uh, for this, um, particular film, miniature gaming, look up a game called kingdom death. The, um, aesthetics of this game is like, uh, we're talking like Roman Coliseum, except all of the people here are like pretty anime people. And like smutty anime people. So they're all very well endowed, all handsome. Like they're all doing hentai and yaoi. And they're in, they're in togas. It's, this isn't for you, Clark. You could go ahead and take a break for a minute. <laughs> now, but the monsters they're facing are like grotesque, giant, Lovecraftian creatures that as a miniatures collector, you would want. You would want the giant um, multi-faced thing with tongue tentacles and skull, like incredible work. And a lot of people hate this game. It costs a lot of money. And I think people think it's hyper misogynist. What I think at the end of the day is when we're dealing with genre and dark content, there's a pendulum swing going on here between like femininity and masculinity. And when you push them to the extreme, you get ripe, fertile, blonde, buxom women bouncing around a house naked going, what's up? Like having fun. There's no character development here. So they're not growing. We're not learning anything from them. And the other side of that coin is (laughs) giant hulking masses of gore there to deliver death. That's what kill her goats is. I wish there was more conflict. It's not until the third act that we actually get like a showdown, but for a final girl, Hey, uh, she holds her own and there's a glimpse. There is Chekhov's um, PTSD in this movie mm. as when she's trying to unlock the front door with a handful of groceries. One of her buddies like straight up tackles her like she's done some uh, football scouting before. And she like 
takes her down. So our lead grabs a big rock and is going to smash her face in. But uh, unfortunately, her friend decided to have like some weird cult costume when she did this. So she rips off her mask and goes, oh, hold on. What are you doing? Crazy. Don't kill me. And you knew right there, this is going to be a final girl that you're going to have to tangle with. Mm. And you get a lot of that in the third act. In fact, she ends up knocking out one of the other girls. There's an axe fight between two of them. Dude, this movie, the downfall of this movie is that it's almost slow cinema for two acts. But aesthetically, it's premium mediocrity. But there is a beautiful clash of um, hyper Hollywood beauty with grotesque horror slasher like it's very raw i don't know i i make an argument for this film i think i'd give it four stars i think troll oh give it three and a half God. and people were like are you fucking crazy i think i have to go four it's You're demented it's inept to the point to where it's like high art i i really um, liked it as icarus said as he slowly <laughs> slowly turned into the sun all right hold on now here's the thing these films can feel exploitive if you come off like a creepy director who just wants to get a bunch of girls naked. On In the movie, none of these women ever felt uncomfortable, and they were doing a lot naked. Like, a lot. Pottery. And I was like, interesting. I wonder what the negotiation here was. Like, was it a lot of money? Were they friends? Did they have a good relationship with the director? Have they done stuff like this before? And the latter was true. Are they DTF? They're all playmates. They're oh, all yes, Playboy Bunny playmates. But here's the thing. Now, as a huge connoisseur of porn, I'm sure you know this, but Playboy stopped doing nude magazines. Yeah. They have the last nude model in here, the last nude playmate. She's oh, one of, so it can't made, take that away from it. Me. made sense because they still have that old kind of like, I'm a Playgirl Bunny attitude. Like, you know, I'm hot and I weaponize it. Like, you know, those girls. Yeah. And it's like they have that vibe. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's that, it's cool, though, for a slasher movie because they own it. And at no point do you ever feel bad for them. Like, oh, look at these poor girls running around. If naked. you're hot, that's your responsibility. <laughs> Oksana, am I crazy for that? That's the one thing um, that I thought really informed this movie in a different way. What was? Oh, oh my God. Sorry, I was reading, <laughs> Thanks, Oksana. I was reading uh, reasons to watch the film on their website. Okay, please share one with us. The best one. Now make it very punchy and good. Now with three times the Playmates. There's <laughs> <laughs> a picture of a, of a butt. Hey, is that on a cereal Wait, box? They're showing the butt? The butt is not what you came for. No, it's the, it's the two girls on the beach and the camera is like behind one of them who's laying on her stomach. So How many cups? See, like, oh, dude. There's a moment where... um. There's like a photographer with his girlfriend. He's like, come on, give it to me. And she's out like spinning around on the beach. And they do a great job of like a um, sizzle reel, like kind of a uh, style book. I, there's all these different terms for the type of editing, but they kind of nail that vlogger douche. So premium mediocrity or high art, you be the judge. I say high art, you know, four star, make it eight stars. No, it's a four star movie. And it's a little rough to get through. Indeed. But I think if you gave Randy enough mushrooms, he would be very in on this movie. I, I would not. No, no way. <laughs> or I, <laughs> I'm bearish on this, dude. If he got an erection, he might be uh, ashamed. So maybe maybe we won't. Now, let me ask you this before you move on. Um, you said there was Chekhov's PTSD. Now, would you prefer uh, this Chekhov's PTSD 
or the great M. Night Shyamalan's Chekhov's uh, Bonitis. Chekhov's oh, calcium deficiency. It's not fair. That comparison's not fair. Ed, from a just genre trope, like genre. narrative styling, yep. I think I like the PTSD more. Oh. But for a theatrical experience, like yeah. for the visual, I need my dude, calcium. You, you can't fuck with the, the bonitis thing. Bonitis that, is the, the fact that that was seen through fully on screen, I'm still baffled by that choice. So good. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. All right. Well, we're still talking about TNA. Calcium. Uh, I was hanging out with uh, my DM, uh, the math mage, Dan, uh, who is a math teacher for an all-girls Christian school. And he came over and we're like, what's up? He really wanted to watch a movie. And, you know, I'll watch anything, as is apparent by the show. And uh, long story short, we were digging around in Amazon Prime and we looked at many things we're trying to stick to sci-fi because I watch a lot of horror. And we landed on a movie. We're watching trailers. And there's this one movie. It looked like it was a goddamn TV show. But in the end of the trailer, it took a weird sword and sorcery turn. And we were both like, all right, I guess we got to watch this. Although the vibe of the movie felt like Kid Rock. Yeah. Like the music is very Buck Cherry. Oh, like it's God. very like Southern. Like yeah. I don't. It was weird. So we ended up watching the astonishing tales of terror. Rock to pussy. Mm. Here, let me go ahead and pull this up on screen so you can uh, understand what I'm dealing with here, Clark. Astonishing tales of terror. Rock to pussy. A group of everyday heroes encounter the fight of their lives deep in the mines of Northern Ontario, where they unwittingly awaken an ancient giant octopus. Yeah, it sounds like a great time to go take a piss. <laughs> so this movie opens up in a strip club. I'm back in. You know, like we're talking early 2000 HBO, right? Even better. So we have a very uh, well-endowed woman again. God, what what is this with well-endowed women? She- <laughs> what what is this what is this thing you're doing today? What do you mean? It's she's very look at her. Look at the goddamn poster. You don't say well-endowed women. Why? You don't Th- that's penis. You say no. Top heavy. We're yeah. taking it back. No. We're taking it they back. They never had it. <laughs> Look, I'm gender fluid, okay? So you're, I can no, blend the you're two. ignorant. No, you don't put an <laughs> adjective in a corner and reserve it for one gender. Oh, We're boy. breaking the barriers down. These, w- <laughs> these uh, women of figures like hourglasses, except most of them have a, they're a little light on the bottom. Um, so we're in, we're in a strip club. And uh, there's a very douchey guy. You're like, well, who the fuck is this? Some politician. So this girl comes up and she's in his face and he's like, what's it going to take to get a lap dance? And she's like, how about a quick question? And then you get one of these snap cuts. Turns out she's a reporter. She's a reporter on the poll. And she puts a microphone in his face and goes, where were you? And blah, blah, blah. And it, guess what? He was a politician because that's the kind of writing we have in this movie. And it's like, gotcha, I'm a brainy and a pretty girl. This looks trauma adjacent. It's not. It kind of feels like Scrubs. You know that show? Yeah. It's got that vibe to it where it's kind of like it's one foot in the cool guy territory and one foot in the comedy territory. Well, what I'm saying is trauma crawled so this could run. Uh, trauma. Trauma. There's connective tissue. The thing is trauma's got kind of like an indie chaos that can pay off every now and then this has the subdued um, parameters of a TV show. And I'll tell you right now, there's a lot that's pretty cool in this movie. And 
it is all hindered by the direction. Um, Andrew Simic, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are, but I honestly think this movie fell flat because of your direction. It the fuck. Now here's the thing: it is weird when you think Jesus. about a director. No, and so when we think <laughs> about the show become, what makes a, a main character uh, different from a secondary character? You can do a lot with film language. One of them is a close-up. Clark's looking at his watch right now. <laughs> you made me uncomfortable with that. Here's the thing. The language of the camera completely undersells the movie, especially when you get into fantasy territory. We need a lot of wide shots. Show us how little our protagonist is in this new reality. And especially when you go up against a fucking Cthulhu monster, it's like really juxtapose it. Like, let us see. Let us, like, feel the emotion. But, again, oh, it's that's like... that's why. Because there's a Cthulhu and you got all... Oh, no, it looks terrible. You got all butthurt. It's very CG. No, I got butthurt because she does, like, a Red Sonia thing in this movie. What's her name? She's probably a goddamn playmate, too. Um, Everybody's I, a playmate. I think it's Bridget Kings, Kingsley. She, um, you know, she's got a, a body made to be, like, a Red Sonia 80s vixen. Back when that was, like, a thing people wanted. And voluptuous. Yeah, it's very. Or your terminology, endowed. She's very well endowed. <laughs> so this voluptuous broad finds a magic sword, and yet somehow I don't come out liking this movie. Um, I'll leave it for y'all. If you like Scrubs, if you like that kind of, it's kind of like witty dialogue with characters who are two dimensional, and the the film. It's this is a movie. It feels completely uncinematic. Um. Go check it out. There's a reason you haven't heard about it, but it could have been good. I'm just saying that. Um, sorry, Why is Udo Kier there now? It's not Udo. Okay. Don't don't tease people with a good time this movie can't offer. Oh, um, again, I didn't mean to spend that much time on there. I have another one I'm not going to spend a ton of time on. I actually saw this movie, um, what, months late. We were supposed to cover this with Robbie Smith, and uh, Randy did his homework. I watched, um, from the director of Drib, I watched Sick of Myself. Um, this movie is a dripping, dripping from the fangs, dark comedy. I don't know why I phrased it that way. Dripping but from, the, <laughs> put it on the box. It's not good, but there's something about how aggressively cynical this movie is. I love it when a director who has complete control over his medium, and I mean this in a way that, you know, it's very highbrow. Uh, the camera moves a lot in this film. Talk, uh, juxtapose it with the fucking rock to pussy, which is completely uncinematic. This movie's about two like um, a living above their means, middle class artist people who are fucking around, looking for attention because that is worth more than monetary currency. Fuck fiat. You just want eyeballs on you. They get it. And they're out there, they're in a competition with each other, even though they're in a relationship. And this is one of the most scathing takedowns of art culture I think I've ever seen in a movie. And it's, once you get on board with that, it's hilarious. It is incredibly funny. I'll tell you right now, you look at the poster and you see the invisible woman. Well, she's in bliss in that poster because everything that looks like, um, it looks like she's a victim in a wheelchair and something terrible happened. It's true, except she did it because she knows victims have power. And oh. this is all in competition. And holy fuck, her boyfriend, 
uh, he does art gallery um, exhibits of like stolen furniture he he has. Like he's on magazine covers. He should come down this street. Dude, I come to California. (laughs) Up here in the Bay Area, people don't want to move into a better house. They just want a better couch. And what they do is they put the old one out on the street. By the way, do y'all know what that grave is across the street? No idea. What the? It looks like a foosball table, like flipped over. (laughs) It looks like somebody dug a hole in the ground the size of a child's grave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) Randy, am I wrong here? No, not at all. That's perfect description. It's uh, (laughs) it's very dark. Yeah, very cynical. Uh, it it is funny for sure. But yeah, it's it's not on. not like on first look, is it necessarily funny? No. But yeah, if if you get into it, it's definitely, I don't know if I ever like really like laughed out loud. Maybe there was like a moment or two, but it's definitely uh, up my alley humor wise. Well, the thing is it's uncomfortable because the movie yeah. is kind of easing you into the tone of the film. It's European. Well, here's the thing. It's also drib. Remember the, the sarcasm of drib? Sure. Imagine that, but like refined and like way sharper. Like there are moments here where you're in a social setting and you know what this couple is doing to each other and you're not sure what choice they're going to make to like navigate this moment, but you know, there's one they shouldn't do. And you're like, are they going to do it? And the movie teases it out a little bit in the beginning, but dude, by act two, we're fully immersed and there's dream sequences that jump in and you're not sure if that's reality. And it very well could be, except when the outcome is very positive, you're like, Oh, this is, this is a dream. And then you come back to re- dude. It's fantastic. It's one of those films where, you know, you would never refer to this as a movie yeah. and you know, you have a friend group that maybe likes movies a lot and you would never even mention that you watch this to them. So if you're kind of into a, if you have a more refined palette, like a good uh, Randy stat, I highly recommend you check this out. Um, I mean, the people that listen to the show, listen to the show. I know. And honestly, I'm coming to terms with uh, me and Oksana kind of push for horror all the time. But most of the people listening to the show like a sick of myself movie. So for those on that side of the pendulum swing, enjoy that Uh, one. I'm sorry. Does that not say horror under the poster? Dude. IMDb is on crack when it comes to their fucking because they're I love horror. This is not a horror movie. There's some gnarly effects though. There is, but it's not a horror movie. And okay, I didn't consider that. You are right. There is some special effect makeup in here. Maybe body horror. Maybe. Not really. Is there a vampire? There's not a single vampire. (laughs) Not a Dracula to be found. No cryptid. Unlike the last movie I'll be talking about. What? Where there is a Dracula. You have another movie? Hell yeah. I have another movie. Jesus fuck. And literally Dracula makes an appearance. Oh, I forgot. As I watched Renfield. Um, here's a little uh a little context. I oh man, I really had to push myself to go to this one. I was like, I don't know if I'm in the mood for another fucking zany Nicolas Cage comedy that's kind of at the expense of the genre I take so seriously horror. And um, I went out there. I mean, I knew I was going to go. We go see, uh, except we did have the other movie, the competitor from uh, left Pope, field. Pope's exorcist. The Pope's exorcist, which I think on the way to this movie, Clark, you stopped us in the hallway and you're like, Hey, let me know if you see the Pope movie. Cause it's getting good reviews. That's right. And I'm like, really? We are bearish on the Pope. <laughs> 
Exorcist. <laughs> no, bull. But we are bullish <laughs> on the Pope's exorcist. Don't mess up your pagan animals, dude. That's right. I'm so sorry. Um, so I watched Renfield and I think it's fucking fantastic. I thought now Randy saw it too. So Randy, I'm I'm gonna need you to weigh in after. But sure. when when you're a genre fan and you kind of are going to see a haunted house story for a hundredth time, there's a reason. Like we we know the tropes and we like them. And the best thing you can get out of a genre film, which I think Tarantino taught us, is to uh, obey the tropes, uh, flourish with them, really embrace them, maybe do a couple new things, and then add some subtext there. The framing in this movie is very apparent in the trailers, which, you know, I avoided, but I still picked it up. There's a uh, toxic relationship between a servant and his master. In this case, it is a ghoul and a vampire. And the ghoul finds um, victims and friends in a church group he's been going to where other people are in abusive relationships. Now, having attended one of these groups myself after uh, uh, a dumb court trial and being sentenced to anger management, these are fucking bleak people. <laughs> the, the group I went to was also in the basement of a church and had eight other people in there who were all male and all had uh, been sentenced to this hell because of domestic violence. I was the only one who was not there because of that. And I instantly felt a immediate rejection. I'm like, I do not belong here. So I stopped going after one meeting in this movie. It's a little bit different. And our hero finds a common place here. And he decides I don't need Dracula to hold me down anymore. And I'm going to do this. This movie is very modern in approach and man, it's full of interesting ideas. The tone is what I was worried about. Comedy before horror. You know what? It's there and it works. And my major fear was that they were going to kick Dracula in the balls. He was going to be like, Ooh, my nuts and do all this dumb, you know, like, Oh, we're going to like parade him around and we're going to make fun of the horror element of this movie. I could not have been more wrong. Nicolas Cage uh, demands a d respect when he's on screen. He is constantly scary throughout the movie in a comedy world. And when ultimately our protagonist is on screen with him, you're scared for the protagonist because Nicolas Cage is not to be fucked with in this film. Uh, rarely do I exit a movie and think, holy shit, that was a great performance. But my God, dude, Nicolas Cage came to fucking play and it's incredible. Well, it's his shot to be Dracula. Yeah. And, you know, um, I'm we're working on uh, locking down Bill Spataro. He's a long term friend of the show. He worked on the film and actually had a candid moment with Nicolas Cage, which was the shred of hope I had. Because he said he talked to him about Dracula and he brought up Italian films and all the European incarnations of Dracula. And he said Nicolas Cage was well aware and picked up on all the nuance and came prepared to do this movie. And, you know, Bill's the odd one who actually likes horror movies and works on them. And he constantly talks about like these motherfuckers don't give a shit. He walked away impressed with Nicolas Cage. So even though he was doing like the Five Night at Freddy knockoff or jujitsu, you know what I mean? It's like you want to hope that he's going to be good. And yeah. then, dude, here, it's 
fucking fantastic. So even though we got um, Aquafina, the dolphin from BoJack Horseman, uh, she's doing her thing. The movie works. I love the script. I think it's incredibly, it's funny, it's attentive, and it it's really respectful to like the horror of Dracula. I dude, it's now. What about the titular Renfield, uh, Nicholas Holt? He's good. He weirds me out. He's got a little guy lead uh, presence, but he's a tall motherfucker. And when you see him standing next to people in a wide shot, it always gives me that. Oh God, tall people really do run the planet, huh? It gives me that vibe. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> Now, what what about my guy, uh, Benny Schwa, a.k.a. Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh, dude. So Really? Ben, yeah. Ben That's Schwartz, Sonic? Ben Schwartz. Yeah. He's good in it. Okay. Is he the bad guy? Is he a bad guy? He is the most, um, he's, it's funny. The movie is self-aware enough that he, as an, a character in the film, refers to himself as the yin-yang to the protagonist. Oh. And he is the perfect mirror of that. And- Again, good storytelling. It doesn't surprise you. You know when he's on screen that he is a perfect counterpoint. And when you finally get there, it's kind of like, I don't know, you kind of worry. You're like, oh, shit, this is going to be a showdown. I don't know. I loved it. And again, I am I know I'm kind of fucking drooling over this movie. I think I would still give it a four and a half, though. Always run for growth. There's aesthetic issues. Again, I'm, it's kind of like... Um, how you watch Fast and Furious and you love the fact that they're going to go to the moon. True. But you wouldn't watch Dungeon and Dragons. Correct. Even though essentially they're the same fucking also, thing. who says they're going to the moon? What are you talking about? That's the whole thing. Isn't Fast 10 like no. the moon? No. A producers, can you double check that? Don't they go to like, uh, at least like break the uh, atmosphere in like nine or whatever? I don't know. I stopped watching those. <laughs> <laughs> Now he just races in Grand Theft Auto. It's much more highbrow. Uh, I don't play that anymore. Okay. Well, yeah. So, Randy, um, where am I here? We agreed on Sick of Myself. Yep. I want to hear your three-star review of this movie, though. It's not three. I I, I really enjoyed it uh, watching it. It's definitely, speaking of Sick of Myself, it's not a movie that's going for something like, no, you know, super serious. Uh, it's definitely comedy forward. Love Ben Schwartz. Uh, he's very funny. He's like got like neck tattoos and like is wearing like a, uh, I guess you would call them a wife beater like a lot of the times. Uh, I don't know if that's a word that we still use or not, but yeah, he's he's very very playing up the the comedy of him being like this like badass. Um, so it's very funny. The hopefully yeah we do talk to Bill soon because I think when the movie is best is when there's a shit ton of blood and gore and effects. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of like very, very fun scenes with just tons of blood and uh, it, it was very fun. Uh, yeah, I it I rated it three and a half just because I was like, ah, it's kind of silly, kind of like, you know, definitely more comedy than it is like uh, serious. But I don't know. Now that we're like talking about it, I was like, I kind of want to see it again. So I don't know. Might be closer to a four. Now, Randy, the thing that was most important to me was Clark talking about cocaine bear next to Renfield, yeah. you're like, you can do the horror comedy. Totally. Like Shaun yeah. of the Dead can work. Sure. Dude, Cocaine Bear, now that I'm thinking about it, it really, it didn't walk that line very well. This movie does. Like in one moment, you're laughing, you're having fun, you feel secure. Yeah. Because they set the boundaries up properly too. So as a ghoul, 
for a vampire. He has a limited amount of power, but he could beat the shit out of any human. And early on in the film, there's an assassin that appears who looks like a fucking slasher, but he can't like, there's an exchange, but they use it for um, narrative. Like they, they set you up to see how the world works, like how healing works, how getting fucked up does. Cause the dude who vaguely resembles a luchador dude, it's fucking cool, but man, it's a good genre film. Yeah. They pay respect to everything. And Nicolas Cage is fucking scary. Like there's a moment where he comes to term with uh, the ghoul's new choice of life and he's kind of ripping it apart. Like not literally, but like with his words, because Dracula is also very charismatic, but to also be like the scary vampire showing your teeth, dude, I don't know if anybody's done it better than Nicolas Cage. It's fucking good. I loved it. Would you see it again, Oksana? What would you rate it? I'd see it again. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was excited for it, even though like all I heard was kind of like bad stuff because it sounded like there's a lot of dedication from like Nick Cage, which was easily yeah. the reason people went to see it. Um, I don't know. I think people show up to laugh at him, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd me- probably give it a... <laughs> I want to say four. <laughs> four? Okay. Why did I even ask? Four stars? You suck. Terrell's going to yell at you for that. I hope you know. <laughs> Four's not bad. He gave it a five, and he's been yeah, yeah he's been like the fuck because people hit him up. People honestly like me are like, Again, there's you, no way it's a five star movie. You have to put it through the Eastern Bloc filter. <laughs> it, you know, it bumps up. That's a four or five. Oh my god, what the hell? I, really, only a four? Randy gave it a three and a half. Come on. <laughs> All right, I loved it. I Another thing I, I, I liked uh, towards the beginning where they're kind of like, you know, establishing uh, the relationship between Renfield and Dracula. They did, they did a lot of like uh, black and white stuff, mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of establishing like how long that he's been around for. Um, and I just seeing like a whole movie of them in like a black and white Dracula movie, but like made today with Nick Cage and uh, Nicholas Holt. I'd be uh, pretty tight. It's probably not for a lot of people, but I would watch that. Hey, it worked like it, yeah. it really good visual storytelling there. And it yeah, kind it of, cool. it, it gave Nicolas Cage to show his chops, like just doing the traditional Bella Lugosi kind of like Dracula. He's dead. Man. It yeah. worked. Yeah. I heard he died. RIP <laughs> too soon. Um, yeah. Fucking fantastic film. Who knew? I had no idea. I honestly would have put money down. There was going to be a fucking stinker, but I loved it. And now you rated it six stars. Well, honestly, now I kind of want to see Innocent Blood, which is a movie that I won't tell you the plot of because it would kind of reveal something that happens in this movie. But there's that kind of homage going on. That's not the one with Wingshauser, is it? No. That's Pale Blood. <laughs> Pale Blood. Thanks. So which did not get an Easter egg addition to Renfield, sadly. Oh. Although fantastic film. Thanks so much. All right. We did it. We learned a lot today. We talked a lot about movies. And we talked a lot about crypto. <laughs> this is going to be a new segment where I wrap up what we talked about. Welcome to the Crypto Crypt. And then we have bats flying. It's the Crypto Crypt. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, 
go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>